to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. My introduction to cannabis began probably not too dissimilarly to many people who have used it recreationally. I was a hippie teen, and smoking it was part of my then social scene. I had a low threshold for getting high, which for me was more of an uncomfortably low experience fraught with anxiety. So I quickly left smoking behind me. But hippie that I was, I was also studying to be an herbalist and midwife at the time, and the medical history of cannabis, the genus name of the herb we more commonly know as marijuana, weed, or pot, fascinated me, particularly because of its long-documented use for women's gynecologic concerns, then, and still now, relevant to my work in women's health. As an herbalist for nearly 40 years now, I've learned a great deal about this controversial medicinal plant, but it was in my medical residency at Yale that I really saw the light. I worked with many patients who shared their experiences of getting relief with cannabis from pain to the extent that it allowed them to reduce use of narcotics. This was before the opioid epidemic hit in full, but I saw it brewing. So I got permission from Yale to embark on a study into the use of cannabis for pain relief, which ultimately convinced me that it had enough scientific merit as a pain-relieving medicine to warrant inclusion in my textbook, Botanical Medicine for Women's Health. Yes, I actually wrote the textbook on women's herbal medicine and for my patients in my practice. So if that time of the month and period pain gets you curled up in a ball, or stretched out on your sofa binge-watching Netflix, hugged up with your best friend at the moment, your hot water bottle, have a listen to this podcast or read the accompanying article. This may be an herbal medicine that you'll find fascinating also, and perhaps one that brings you some relief when you need it. This is Dr. Aviva Ram, and welcome to Natural MD Radio, episode 129, Period Pain, Can Cannabis Really Help? Period pain. What's really going on? Over your monthly menstrual cycle, under the influence of estrogen, your uterine lining, your endometrium, naturally thickens into a nutrient-rich bed. This lush lining will support pregnancy should a woman conceive. But if conception doesn't occur, your body does the work of Marie Kondoing out that lining. It does so with the help of a group of chemicals called prostaglandins, in this case inflammatory ones, that cause both the blood vessels in the uterine lining and the muscular uterus itself to contract. These prostaglandins also have additional effects. They increase overall inflammation, your sensitivity to pain, and if that's not enough to make you uncomfortable, they loosen our stools too, which is why you may get achy, or have to go to the loo more before your period. Half of all menstruating people experience somewhere from mild to debilitating period pain, technically referred to as dysmenorrhea. There are two types of dysmenorrhea. Primary dysmenorrhea is what we think of as typical menstrual cramps. It typically starts one to two days before your period begins and lasts for the first one to three days of bleeding. 
Having a minor amount of fullness in your pelvis, aching in your lower abdomen, lower back, or inner thighs, minor cramping, or some looser stools before your period is normal and natural. It's all caused by the normal physiologic changes I just mentioned. More than a little period pain, though, can be a sign that it's time to look into the root causes, which may include underlying inflammation, hormonal imbalances, for example, high estrogen levels, or being low in the nutrients that counterbalance prostaglandin-induced inflammation, like vitamin D, essential fatty acids like DHEA and EPA that are found in fish and fish oil, or that prevent cramping like calcium and magnesium, which I discuss in other articles, along with the holistic strategies that are effective for preventing and reversing period pain, including heat, specific yoga postures, calcium, magnesium, ginger, and others that I link to over at avivaram.com forward slash 129. Secondary dysmenorrhea is the other kind of dysmenorrhea, and it's period pain due to an underlying or concurrent gynecologic condition, usually endometriosis or its sister condition, adenomyosis. The pain, which as you know if you experience it, can be quite severe. It may begin earlier and last longer than that of primary dysmenorrhea, and you may also have other symptoms, for example, pain with penetrative sex, bowel movements or bowel symptoms, or urinary symptoms like frequent urination or painful urination, or other symptoms like chronic pelvic pain that actually lasts through the month. In another article and podcast also linked over at avivaram.com forward slash 129, that's the number 129, I talk about natural treatments for endometriosis, which also apply to adenomyosis. However, Regardless of whether you have primary dysmenorrhea or secondary dysmenorrhea, and whether or not you're working on the root causes, you may still find that you need in-the-moment period pain relief, and that may be while you're getting to the root causes or for the occasional painful period. The most common medication that people turn to for menstrual pain are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, particularly ibuprofen like Motrin and Advil. These work by inhibiting an enzyme called COX-2 that's involved in the production of those inflammatory prostaglandins I just mentioned. And as a result, NSAIDs reduce cramping, inflammation, pain, and also heavy menstrual bleeding. All good things. Unfortunately, they also inhibit another enzyme called COX-1, and that can result in stomach and digestive symptoms that are so common when taking NSAIDs like gas, bloating, and heartburn. NSAIDs also come along with a host of potential adverse events, including significant risk of stomach bleeding, that can happen even with just a week of using them, increased heart attack risk even when just used for a short time and in people who don't previously have risk. The risk does go up with regular use and is especially great in those who do have heart disease risk factors like smoking, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or diabetes. And interestingly, NSAIDs have been found to inhibit ovulation and reduce progesterone levels, which can undermine fertility, and low progesterone levels can cause hormonal symptoms. 
For those with secondary amenorrhea, the pain may be severe enough to seek medication that's even stronger. 25% of people with endometriosis, for example, are prescribed a narcotic or an opioid, same thing. And as you know, these can be a disastrous road with a high risk for addiction, side effects like constipation, and even accidental overdose. The overdose risk for women with endometriosis specifically is compounded by the fact that many physicians also prescribe in people with endometriosis a benzodiazepine for concurrent use to treat anxiety, which that combination of opioid and benzo increases accidental overdose risk by 10 times, and few people using these are informed of that risk. While I do recommend NSAIDs for occasional use when needed to cope or function, I encourage my patients to avoid narcotics and whenever possible to reach for natural alternatives. Enter cannabis, a traditional period pain relief remedy. The medicinal use of cannabis can be traced back thousands of years. According to my colleague and friend, international cannabis expert Ethan Rousseau, an MD, and co-author of Women and Cannabis, Medicine, Science, and Sociology with Mary Lynn Mather and Melanie Cregan Dreher, the use of cannabis for relief from pain dates back to ancient Egypt, where the Ebers papyrus and other papyri indicate that women prepared an oxymel with cannabis and honey to be inserted vaginally. Vaginal suppositories and similar preparations are a common way that cannabis was used historically. An early pharmacy book written circa 2737 BCE by the Chinese emperor Shen Nung references the use of cannabis and its use for menstrual pain is described in a Chinese text that dates back to 1596 BCE. References and artifacts of its use are also found in ancient Persia, Middle Eastern, Ayurvedic, and Semitic writings. It's thought that the plant was used in parts of Africa and seeds brought to the Americas by enslaved Africans. The Royal Weed Documentation of cannabis's effectiveness in relieving menstrual and pelvic pain continues throughout history, eventually appearing widely in British and American medical literature of the 1800s. Cannabis even famously made its way into England's royal court, where for 30 years, Queen Victoria's physician, Sir J. Russell, provided her with monthly doses of cannabis extract to treat her menstrual pain. He likely learned of its use through the writings of a 30-year-old British doctor serving in India, W.B. O'Shaughnessy, who brought its use to the attention of European physicians around 1839 after studying and being impressed by its 900-year traditional use in India. So taken with Russell with its effectiveness based on his own 30 years of careful observation of its use in clinical practice— that he wrote an article published in 1890 in the medical journal The Lancet, which remains a leading medical journal today, describing cannabis as one of the most valuable medicines we possess for dysmenorrhea, among other symptoms and conditions. The British Pharmaceutical Codex, the official botanical and medical um, uh, dictionary, if you will, retained an indication for cannabis for the treatment of dysmenorrhea until 1934. Cannabis extracts were commonly used for medicinal purposes and could even be purchased at a pharmacy without a prescription into the early 1940s in the United States. 
a pharmaceutical for the treatment of dysmenorrhea, dysmenine compound was produced in the U.S. in the late 19th century by the Kizal Pharmacal Company. And I include an image of this over at avivaram.com forward slash 149, which is an image shared with me courtesy of my colleague Ethan Russo and included in my textbook, Botanical Medicine for Women's Health. The key ingredient in dysmenine compound? Cannabis. Cannabis remained an official medication of the U.S. formulary and wasn't removed from the United States pharmacopoeia until 1942. As a result, it fell out of use as a prescription by physicians, and political forces led it to be thought of as a drug with a lot of stigma associated even with its personal use. Yet for many, it remained a medicine of interest. As one example, in 1971, Solomon Snyder, a neuroscientist at Johns Hopkins University, and of note, a mentor to Candace Pert, author of Molecules of Emotion, who discovered the opiate receptor while on his team, said that for many conditions, quote, such as migraine headache or menstrual cramps, while something as mild as aspirin gives insufficient relief and opiates are too powerful, not to mention their potential for addiction, cannabis might conceivably fulfill a useful role. Did you know, as an aside, that the categorization of this herbal medicine as a drug, then villainized as an illegal one, beginning in the late 1930s, is entangled with an overlay of anti-Black and anti-Latino racism, the end of alcohol prohibition leading law enforcement to need a new target, which became weed smokers. And it led to a massive anti-weed propaganda campaign highlighted by the movie Reefer Madness. Its criminalization destroyed lives. In the first full year after the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 was enacted, black people were nearly three times more likely to be arrested for violating narcotic drug laws than whites, and Mexicans were nearly nine times more likely to be arrested for the same charges. Additionally, Well into the 2000s, many back-to-the-lander hippies who were growing weed in places as varied as Vermont, North Carolina, and California lost their homes, families, and freedom. Critics of cannabis as a medicine are correct. There is far more anecdotal evidence for its effectiveness for menstrual pain than Western scientific medical proof. This is largely because decades of illegal status severely limited scientific research combined with the reality that women's health, and particularly gynecologic pain, remains one of the least prioritized areas of scientific research, a problem women researchers are actively trying to address because it means that not only is our pain not effectively identified and treated, but when we are treated, it's with medications that have largely only been studied on men. The illegal status and stigma associated with cannabis has also largely led women to keep their use under wraps to their doctors. Yet, when asked or surveyed, countless women swear by the relief it brings them. In 2015, researchers from the University of British Columbia asked a sample of 192 women if they'd used cannabis to relieve menstrual pain. Among these, many had period pain that was rated as severe, as well as PMS and digestive symptoms. 88.5% said they had used marijuana, most had smoked or ingested it, and of these, 89.4% said it helped. It's important to keep in mind, while cannabis has been devalued by conventional medicine, 
consensus by a large number of individuals and historical use have validity and importance that is an important form of evidence. So how does it work? Cannabis is rich in two cannabinoids, active chemical compounds amongst the over 100 compounds in this plant. The most well-known of these are tetrahydrocannabinol, THC, and cannabidiol, CBD. THC is associated with psychoactive responses, or getting high, while CBD appears to largely modulate inflammation, muscle cramping, and mood, although THC does some of that as well. The science behind cannabis's purported effectiveness in relieving pain lies in part in the endocannabinoid system, or the ECS. Discovered in the early 1990s, the ECS is a collection of cellular receptors that are found throughout the body, including the brain, the immune system, and abundantly in the female reproductive tract, including the ovaries and uterus. Our own bodies naturally produce a cannabinoid called anandamide, or AEA, possibly in response to estrogen levels which bind to these receptors and influences our mood, reproductive system immunity, inflammation, and likely a host of other functions still being explored. In binding to receptors in the reproductive endocannabinoid system, cannabinoids from cannabis, for which this system in our bodies is named, may lead to relief from period and pelvic pain, digestive system symptoms like gas and bloating, migraines or menstrual headaches, anxiety and irritability, and other common PMS symptoms. Although studies have not conclusively uncovered how cannabis and CBD work to alleviate dysmenorrhea, it's thought that they also work outside of the endocannabinoid system as well, particularly CBD. CBD and THC have been found to decrease pain sensation by targeting specific pain receptors in the body. One of these, TRPV1, is targeted by CBD, and that's outside the endocannabinoid system, and CB1, which is targeted by uh, THC, which is in the endocannabinoid system. So not only are these targeted to blunt pain, but they may also allow more positive pain sensation, positive sensations than pain to reach the brain. Both THC and CBD have anti-inflammatory effects. THC prevents macrophages, which are scavenger immune cells, from releasing inflammatory proteins called cytokines, while CBD, like NSAIDs, blocks COX-2, reducing inflammation. However, unlike NSAIDs, which also inhibit that COX-1 enzyme that I mentioned, leading to digestive symptoms in many people, CBD only inhibits COX-2, which doesn't lead to digestive discomfort. CBD slows down electrical signaling to muscles, increasing muscle relaxation and reducing cramping. And remember, the uterus is one big muscle. CBD also appears to effectively relieve anxiety and may there also be very helpful in PMS with anxiety for many women. While clinical research on cannabis and CBD on period pain is virtually non-existent, it's worth noting that in 2017, when New York State was determining what conditions would qualify an individual for a cannabis prescription, menstrual pain was on the list. But is it safe? Overall, cannabis is considered relatively low risk when used occasionally, as it would be for period pain. 
Smoking cannabis and eating edibles that contain THC are more likely to produce side effects, including anxiety, paranoia, focus and attention deficits, and decreased reflex time. However, the risk of serious or long-term advents with cannabis products, even the edibles and the smoking products, is extremely low. Perhaps the most concerning risk, although rare, is that in a small subset of people, particularly teenagers with a specific genetic predisposition that's been identified, THC has been known to precipitate psychosis. And of course, smoking anything is not ideal for your lungs. CBD, taken as an extract usually in the form of CBD oil, has an extremely low side effect profile. In fact, in 2018, the World Health Organization concluded in a review, quote, to date, there is no evidence of recreational use of CBD or any public health-related problems associated with the use of CBD, end quote. And both CBD and cannabis are generally safer than many of the medications available for the treatment of pain. While it has not been associated with harmful effects to the fetus, cannabis is usually generally not recommended for use in pregnancy. So unless for a medically supervised reason, I do recommend discontinuing any cannabis, CBD, or THC-containing products should you become pregnant. Using cannabis, how do you do it? Well, every body is different. And unfortunately, there's no set of dosage guidelines nor one specific form of use of cannabis or CBD that's been shown to be more effective for dysmenorrhea. It just hasn't been studied enough for anyone to reach any conclusions. And each of us has a unique threshold at which we might experience symptom relief and also different levels of tolerance to the psychoactive effects of THC-containing products should you choose one of those or a combination product with CBD and THC. It can take a bit of gentle personal experimentation to determine whether cannabis or CBD is right for you, which product, and at what dose. So I always recommend starting low and going slow and seeing how you respond and trying different products if you don't get response from the first one that you try. One general rule that I tell my patients when it comes to using NSAIDs is don't wait until the pain is miserable to treat. Preempt it. Do the same with your holistic pain, your period pain prevention. If you typically start getting period pain a day or two before you start bleeding, start using calcium, magnesium, and some of the other natural remedies and approaches I link to over at avivaram.com forward slash 129. That's the number 129. Do those a few days before you even usually start getting symptoms, and I describe that in those articles and podcasts. And if needed, start using your chosen cannabis or CBD product at the first twinge of discomfort. Don't put it off. What products should you consider? In my practice, I primarily recommend starting with products with the greatest safety and the least likelihood of immediate or longer-term side effects, including cannabis tincture, which can be effective for pain relief, is taken in water so doesn't require smoking anything, doesn't cause any psychoactive effects, and can be combined with other pain-relieving anti-inflammatory herbal tinctures. For example, a cannabis cramp bark combination is a classic for menstrual pain relief. 
Tincture dose depends on the product you're using. Commercially made products contain varying amounts of THC and or CBD. So follow product instructions, start low and go slow, and I recommend starting with a no THC product. CBD oil is another option. A good quality CBD oil product is usually made with an olive oil base, has zero to negligible THC, so won't have a psychoactive effect either, and can be conveniently taken by dropper with measurements on it to get accurate dosing or in a capsule. I recommend my patients take the equivalent of 15 milligrams a day to start, but again, it's best to start low, go slow, and see how you personally respond. CBD topical and suppository products are also available, and there are some great online companies like Foria Wellness, which I have no financial relationship to any of these companies or any companies that do cannabis or THC or CBD products. Um, companies like Foria specialize in high-quality topicals and suppositories for um people with period and pelvic pain. I don't typically recommend smoking weed unless other options just aren't working for you. If you do find that this is the only way to get relief, keep it to just those few days of the month that you most need it, using only the smallest amount possible. For example, one or two tokes off of a very thinly rolled joint, classically called a pin joint and purchase your products from a cannabis dispensary to ensure that it is a clean, good quality product. Ask for a low THC strain, unless of course you know an organic farmer who is growing a low THC strain and that might be the exception. Another interesting approach for, it, for reducing the inflammation associated with period pain is the use of hemp seeds. The seeds which come from Cannabis, the hemp plant, do not contain cannabinoids, are rich in gamma-linoleic acid, or GLA, in which some women with PMS and dysmenorrhea have been found to be low. In one study, a daily dose of 150 to 200 milligrams of um, hemp seed uh, extract over 12 weeks greatly improved symptoms. And this dose can be achieved by taking a 5 milliliter daily dose of hemp seed oil. And yes, you can alternate between these different doses with the hemp seed. Obviously, you need to take it for the 12 weeks daily to, to build up and get that relief um, from the replacing your GLA, but you can use uh, a cannabis suppository if you want to try that. And then later in the day, you can use your CBD oil if you have, you know, if you're using CBD products on the weekdays um, to you know cope and function at work and keep your focus while getting pain relief, but you find that really, really you do get better results from smoking a little bit of it, then you can do that on you know in your evening or your day off. So you can alter uh, alternate around. If you find at the end of the day you've tried the CBD or another product and you're still having pain, you can still take ibuprofen. You, it's not um, an either or. And you can combine this with other of the herbs and nutrients and supplements that I talk about in the articles and podcasts that I've mentioned. Cannabis is not a panacea for all that ails us, as the cannabis industry with its plethora of products might have us believe. And it's not a panacea for menstrual pain. Much more research is warranted, and it's always important to look at your root causes and treat those. But used safely 
and wisely, I do think cannabis and CBD products may help many women with period pain to have a better experience of their menstrual cycles and with few fewer adverse events and effects than conventional medications. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Thank you for joining me for Natural MD Radio, episode 129. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.